All right, so we are um, in our third third message message in our values series, and um, Dave and Joan, you've actually gotten to hear some of these in Sebring, so you know you actually actually get them in different places. Um, and normally, Matt's the, Pastor Matt's the only person that gets to do that, but uh, uh, we're gl- super glad to have you with us um, this morning. As we as we look at our, our values and, and kind of um, work to define what is what is neighborhood church, what's it mean to be um, to be part of this? I don't know. I kind of want to call it a movement, um, but this well, it is a movement, and it started uh, if you can remember back uh, the year like uh, know, like 33 A.D. Um, <laughs> it's been going pretty strong since then. Um, the, the the church, the New Testament church, as it started in Acts two, we're going to look at Acts chapter two this morning a little bit, um, because I think it's important as we as we explore our identity as a church that we don't just bring to the table our ideas of what we think we're about, but that we look at Scripture and we allow Scripture to inform what has what was the church about at the beginning. The, the people that heard it from the apostles' lips and from Jesus' lips. How did they understand what it meant to be on mission? And so as we, as we look at that, I, I hope that that will sort of inform our, that will kind of tune, tune the lens. Um, I don't know what this is. I think this is tuning a You know, if you like the eye doctor, like, all right, that, that makes more sense. That's going to like, you know, tune the lens through which we're going to look at, at scripture and look at what it means to journey together. Now, we've been doing this every week and so we'll, uh, do this again this morning. Our, our values are we put Jesus first. We center everything on His love and His grace because He alone has set us free. We trust the Bible. We depend on Scripture as our primary guide for life because God leads us most directly through His Word. We journey together. Spiritual growth happens best in community. And God brings us us into His family so that no one has to face anything alone. We collaborate rather than compete. Jesus has one body. We're all on His team. We work together with others who are seeking His kingdom first. We hold God's gifts with open hands. God gives each of us resources, experiences, and abilities, so we share them generously with others. And last, we hold fast to the mission while adapting our methods. The truth of the gospel never changes, and we trust the Holy Spirit to help us creatively reach our community. Um, these, are, these are values that um, are not just things that we thought were really cool that we should be about. We feel like these are informed by Scripture. And so as we've, as we've been going through and we'll continue um, for three more weeks after this one to go through these values, and we'll probably revisit them once a year or so. Um, but as we look at this, I hope that you'll see that they are, they are scattered throughout Scripture. One thing that's, that's important, I, I've talked about this before, that's so important that we do, is that we don't approach Scripture with our own ideas of what we think what we think sounds really good, and then find verses that seem like they say that. Um, that's a. Uh, I'm not going to get into the weeds of uh, of pastor hermeneutics and all that kind of thing, but 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 th- there is a way. We would see that as a as a wrong way to to use scripture. That wouldn't be rightly handling the word of truth as as Paul challenged young pastors to do. Um, but we feel like it's important to allow scripture to inform how we think about. The world. We talked about this a lot last week. Does God have the right to tell you not only what to do, but how to think and feel? And uh, we certainly believe that it does. Um, but this idea that we that we journey together, 
Oh, yeah. One more thing I was going to say. Most of our preaching is, is what we would call expository preaching, where we allow the point of the sermon to be the point of the passage. We would take a, a, a section of scripture and preach from that. And we might look at a few other supporting scriptures that kind of make the same point. But like we're going to pretty much camp camp in a, in a passage and just expose what's there. That's why I call it expository preaching. And this is topical preaching, which is very different where we are preaching on a topic. And here's why I think it's valuable to do that sometimes, though not most of the time. Sometimes it's valuable to zoom out and see, whoa, this theme is all over Scripture. This is like, it's in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament, it's in Paul's writings, it's in the Gospels, it's like Jesus said it, other people said it. Like, this is kind of a theme. And so it's important to, to see that sometime, sometimes too. And so that's, that's why um, this series feels different and, and looks a little different and sounds different. But, but as we look at this, at this value that we journey together. Spiritual growth happens best in community. God brings us into his family so that no one has to face anything alone. Uh, turn your Bibles to Genesis. Yep, it's in the Old Testament. Um, this idea, I think it's important for us to, to get this. And i got to say, just credit where it's due, um, I am so thankful that I get to work together with other pastors in this little network that we've got. We've got Pastor Michael and Pastor Ben, and even Pastor Matt has some has some wisdom to share now and then. But he's got a lot of white in his beard, so it, I feel like I feel like uh, his his advice is better when his beard is longer. Um, <laughs> when, he, when he shaved, when it's all short and he looks young again, I'm not sure if I can trust him. But <laughs> no, we, we we love these guys and. And I'm so thankful, you know, that it was, anyway, I don't, try, I'm not trying to get you, get all in the weeds here, but like, you know, as, as we, you know, we, we text about what we're preaching about and we, we get together and we have meetings and then we, we continually as we're studying, like, hey, this is really hitting me or, or hey, I, I just thought of this. Is, this was my text this week. Hey, I just thought of this. Is this even biblical? <laughs> and, uh, and I got the text back. Uh, not really. I always put it this way. And so credit to, credit to Pastor Michael on this one. Um, I, okay, I'll just say, my, my question was, is it a valid point to say that our need for community with one another is even more important since the fall? Since our fellowship with God is broken, our, our need for fellowship with one another is even stronger now, right? Sounds super spiritual, right? Not biblical. Um, so anyway, that was my question. I'm so thankful for other pastors that kind of like take my wild ideas and say, uh, don't say that. <laughs> Here's, here's the biblical point instead of uh, my one that sounded okay. Um, <clears throat> let's look at Genesis chapter 2. No, Genesis, okay, look back from Genesis chapter 2, like one verse. God, God speaks everything into existence. Verse 31, Genesis 1.31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But then as we look a little closer, see, so the seventh day, God rests. Skip down to chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. There's a whole sermon there about how work is not the result of sin in the fall. It is one of the holiest institutions that we work. It's good. It's good for us. 
Also, before there's another sermon there about uh, you'll notice that Eve hasn't been made yet. Um, before God gave Adam a wife, He gave him a job. That was super important too. Um, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, "You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die." Then the Lord God said, "It is not good." that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. You'll notice we're in Genesis chapter 2. The fall and sin doesn't happen until Genesis chapter 3. We were... Here's, here's the biblical point that Pastor Michael uh, helped me see. We were created for community. It was important that God allow Adam to see, hey, everything God made has a companion. And I don't. He needed to feel that need. And God, God, of course, saw that need. But it was important for Adam to realize, you're not an island here. You, you need another. And so, obviously, there's tons of marriage implications in that verse, in that, in that passage as well, but, but just the idea that we were created for community. Um, I, I jotted down a, a little something that in, uh, in Christianity, uh, the spiritually healthy ones are never hermits. You know, you think of like the, uh, you know, whatever the old, the movie where the the hero has to climb to the top of this mountain and talk to this uh you know this guru or you know this hermit that lives on the top of the mountain to give sage advice or whatever. Um, that really only exists. Uh, first of all, it doesn't really exist. But like, think about think about like you know okay I'm gonna like give up everything all my worldly everything and go live in a monastery. Still in community. Even the monks have the other monks. Um, in in Christianity, the spiritually healthy ones are never hermits. See, even when Adam had perfect fellowship with God, he still needed fellowship with another person. Um, God, God made us for community. It, it's so important. So let's kind of look at this statement that we've got. And I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of taking like, okay, we're going to take this statement that we wrote and I'm going to expository preach that because that's, that's weird. But... But I'm going to just let that this, the, the, the statements that we have in here be kind of the points and look at why we, why we say it that way and why it's biblical. Uh, why does spiritual growth happen best in community? Uh, let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, um, uh, one of the whole themes of, of Ephesians is the idea of unity. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was one of the one of the really pillars of the early church. They they were a, a really an anchor church there in um, Asia Minor. Um, they planted other churches. They supported other churches, and they supported Paul, Paul financially. Paul lived with lived there in Ephesus for like three years. He was very close with them. Um, he's he's writing here. This is earlier, you know, um, anyway. Uh, he's writing to them and pointing out the need for unity in the body of Christ above so many other things. Nothing will, will tear apart a group faster than disunity. 
And he challenges them here in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every, in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. One of the things that he's talking about here is the, the need within the church for each person, each member of the church, to be a unifying force within it. Uh, one of the things that he talks about here, and, and this is not a... Uh, um, actually, he addresses it even more in, um, in the book of Philippians, uh, which is... Like if you lay Philippians and Ephesians on top of each other, it's like almost a copy paste, but I don't think they had that back then because they didn't have keyboards. But like it's, it's a very similar themes. And one of the things that he's talking about with unity is, is that our, our spiritual gifts. First of all, each member, I, I, um, Dan O'Deans, who is a, a pastor and church planter, um, in our fellowship and one of our coaches through Assist Church Expansion says it this way, that he really believes that every church, no matter how big or small, has every spiritual gift that it needs because that's how God supplies and that, that's how God cares for and, and provides for His church. That, you know, a church of only ten people, you know, th- these people have been supernaturally gifted by the Holy Spirit to be able to build up the body of Christ. And that's, that's a key thing Again, this isn't, a, this isn't a message on spiritual gifts, but spiritual gifting is a big part of our community and our, um, our unity as a, as a body. Um, and, and here's the key point, that, that our spiritual gifts are for the body of Christ. What, what are they for? He says right here. Um, yeah, right here. Uh, verse 12, to equip the saints of the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And again, at the, in verse 16, so that it builds itself up in love. Our, 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 like, this, I guess this is the point. Our, our spiritual gifts, which are given to us by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and we are told we ought to exercise our spiritual gifts and use them, do you realize that Almost all, to my knowledge, really all of the spiritual gifts that we see even mentioned in Scripture can't, like, you literally cannot even practice or exercise, whatever you want to call it. You, you can't even use these spiritual gifts without being in spiritual community with other believers. So many of them relate to our, our um, interactions with other believers and, and with the church. Um, I, I, I wrote up a little list of, um, of things why spiritual growth happens best in community. Um, here's one. Our sense of what's normal and healthy changes. You know, when, when, we, when we exclude ourselves from a spiritual community, we can, boy, our, our moral compass starts to drift, doesn't it? 
our sense of, of what it, you know, our sense of what's an acceptable amount of time to spend in scripture or what's a, what's an, what's an acceptable, um, I'll fill in the blank, you know, the, the amount of like God that spills over into the other areas of my life, you know, how much of that is, is enough. Believe me, when you are unplugged from a spiritual community, um, that needle starts to drift a lot. Uh, here's another one. We are kept accountable. Others can see into our lives and speak into our lives. When we're a, a committed member of a, of a body of believers, other people can see us live our lives. When there's, when there's a moral drift in our lives, other people can speak into that. And, and, and you know them well enough that, they, that you, know, you trust them and the, the advice that they might give. To say, hey man, um, I just I've been seeing this in your life, and um, a how can I help? Or b, um, you know, sometimes we got to take some reproof, some correction, and we need that. You know, what what child that is not corrected grows up um, to be <laughs> any sort of a well-adjusted adult? Uh, that's some of you have that friend. Um, it's Luke and Jenny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It, it, we, we need that. We need, we need other people, you know, often like more spiritually mature people to see into our lives and to speak into them, to keep, hold us accountable. Uh, here's another one. We are more conscious of the example we set for others. When you, when we put ourselves in a situation where, where there are, you know, you're, you're a member of a, of a church, a body of Christ and, and, uh, let's just say visitors are coming in or, or, or you know, there's, there's like, you know, that person just got saved. You're just a little more aware of the example you're setting for them. Um, we, and vice versa, we have role models to look up to ourselves. When we're unplugged from a spiritual community, who, who, do, you, who do you aspire to be like? Are, are, like, you know, I mean, spiritually speaking, you know, a lot of them might pick some sort of a spiritual giant. Oh man, you know, I'd, you know, life goals. I would like to, I would like my spiritual walk to look like that. But when we're unplugged from a spiritual community, we don't actually know any of those. And celebrity preachers don't count. Um, here's another one. We benefit from others' insight into God's Word. Some of that's uh, coming from the pulpit, and some of that is just coming from the conversations we have with other believers that we wouldn't have if we're not around other believers. We benefit from that. Um, turn uh, turn really quickly to a second Corinthians, just back a few pages here. Second Corinthians chapter. Um, hold on, I got it written down here. Uh, chapter five, verses eighteen to twenty-one. I'll back up to sixteen. He says, "From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer." Therefore, if anyone is, is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making His appeal through us, 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin. He, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might have, we might become the righteousness of God. This word reconciliation is a, is a relational term. You know, many of you may know what that means. Some of you may not. To be reconciled means, you know, to, to have, to have, uh, got the, got the slate wiped clean. Um, we talk about reconciling a, a bank account. Um, I don't do this. Uh, Pastor Matt does this. And we're all thankful for that. Um, he'll, he'll text me towards the end of the month. Actually, I didn't get one this, this past month, so I must have done really good. But usually around the end of the month, he'll text me, Hey, you got a receipt for this? <laughs> uh, because it's like really important to reconcile all the stuff that's, that we, you know, all the money that went out with, you know, receipts that, oh, yeah, no, that was actually us that spent that, and here's what it was for. And that's really important. Relationally, um, you, you might, t- you know, I don't know, just imagine like a, a fender bender type of car accident where no one got hurt because we don't want that. And, um, but there's damage to your car and so, you know, you, you gotta figure out who's at fault and then you, the insurance company's gotta do, play their little game and then who knows how long later. Finally, someday, one of those insurance companies cuts a check or maybe two checks and pays for stuff and, and then it's reconciled. Everything is, everything is paid for. Everything has been made right. Both our cars are fixed. We're not mad at each other anymore. We can move on. We just try not to drive on the same roads with that person anymore. Um, reconciliation is, a, is an important piece. And first, we're reconciled to God in salvation. In Christ, we're forgiven. And so through the, through the, the, the work of Christ, we hopeless sinners have the opportunity to be reconciled to God, to have our slate wiped clean and to, to have a relationship with God where now the channel of communication is open and, and um, we can have fellowship with Him. But on top of that, like this passage says, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's, that's twofold. A, we are, as he says in this, in this verse, ambassadors of Christ. God Making his appeal through us. That's incredible. That's incredible. You realize what an honor it is to be appointed as an ambassador for the president or for, you know, somewhere else like, you know, the, the Queen of England. Like, you're their ambassador in another country. It's like any important person in that country wants to know what your national leader thinks about something. They come to you. And you go between them and the other person. Okay, like that. All right, we don't go between people and God, but like we are the representatives of Him. That's one of the reasons we, why we have a, a benediction every Sunday. That because because from here we're sent out as ambassadors. We we as I always say, go we go and be His witnesses. Like we got a job to do. We're our job is go represent Christ in this world. Um, go tell people about Him. And so we are reconciled to God. We are tasked with being His ambassador. And so we are helping other people to be reconciled to God. But through that, there's a third thing. We can be reconciled with one another. Because go back to that parable that Jesus told about the, uh, the, the, the servant that owed his master a bunch of money and his master forgave him and then he went and choked his friend and then got thrown in, uh, thrown in prison for choking people. Uh, no, he got thrown in prison for not forgiving some stupid little debt. 
Like, first of all, he shouldn't be gambling anyway. But, but the, the whole idea that, like, if we've been reconciled to God, against whom, like, in, in our, um, our prayer of confession this morning from, from Psalm 51, you know, David is talking about how, like, against you, you only have I sinned. Certainly, we sin against, against other people, but chiefly, first and foremost, and primarily, our sin is against God. If God, who is the most, has the most right to be offended by our sin, has forgiven us, no, has forgiven the person in front of you, how on earth can you not have peace with that person? If we've both had our biggest problem solved, we've both been made right with God, how can we, how can we not resolve our petty little differences? Certainly we can. And so this ministry of reconciliation is threefold. It's between us and God. It's, it's between others and God. And it's between us and others. And that's why it's possible within the body of Christ to journey together. Two more points that I'd like to make here. Uh, we don't have to face anything alone. I actually kind of want to reverse this and talk about God brings us into his family so that we don't have to face anything alone. God brings us into his family. We are the language that Jesus uses when he talks about when he talks about our sins being forgiven through his work on the cross and being made right with God is that God adopts us into his family. Regardless of whether we grew up Jewish or not. It's not that we become Jewish. It's that we become part of God's family alongside people from, from every, every uh, race and creed and origin and, and whatever. None of that even matters. We, we are siblings in His family. That's where the idea that we are brothers and sisters in Christ comes from. This, this is our community, the family of God. That's bigger than these four walls. Now, now granted, you can't have a really meaningful relationship with every other Christian, you know, in the world or even in Lakeland for that matter. Um, and so we, it's important to be plugged in with a small group of other believers. Let's be honest. If this room was half full, you couldn't have a, a meaningful relationship with every Christian in this room, which is why it's also important to be plugged in and part of a spiritual community that we might call a small group or a family group or a community, whatever you want to call it, some kind of a, a group where there's a tight, a tighter group where you can, um, you can have a really meaningful spiritual community with them. See, we are adopted when we're saved into God's families. Families, how about this one? Families where siblings don't talk to each other or spend any time together are, um, oh, let's see, we have a word for that. Uh, dysfunctional. Um, that's, that's not, that's not healthy. Now, I realize that there's many cases where, like, there's like a, you know, well, there's a really good reason why we don't, uh, spend any time with that, that uncle, or, you know, whatever. Like, we, we all, we all get that. But, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying, oh, well, you should allow this unhealthy influence into your children's lives. Like, I'm not saying that. Like, yes, there, there can be reasons for that, but it's not healthy. I think we could all agree that, like, even though it may be necessary, it's not, that's not a healthy thing. It's not a healthy relationship. And so, uh, yeah, back to that ministry of reconciliation. Uh, most often, that relative needs Christ more than anything else. At salvation, God gives us relationships. He gives us relationships with himself, a relationship with Himself. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Talks about the Holy Spirit being kind of like the 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 deposit 
Like someday we will see God face to face and have that, that close intimate fellowship with Him. But in the meantime, He gives us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we, we can read scripture and, and understand what God meant when He inspired the writing of it because that same Spirit is dwelling in us. Um, anyway, we, we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with others. He brings us into His family, which is also known as the church, the body of Christ. So God brings us into His family so that no one has to face anything alone. Let's look at this. Um, not facing anything alone means there's, there's other people to pray for you. Um, there are others to help us tangibly. Like, Laz and Steph just had a baby, and we've got, a, you know, Jenny's organized the whole list of, like, schedule of people taking them meals and, and taking care of them that way, and apparently, um, that's just a sneaky way to get to hold, uh, baby Laz before we all get to, but, um, you know, I'm not bitter or anything. I'm just, anyway. Um, yeah, thanks, rub that in some more. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, there's, there's ways that we can, we can help each other tangibly because we're in community enough that we can actually see the needs. I mean, if, you know, a hurricane rolls through here, um, those are like, first of all, like if the church didn't get wrecked, which is probably not gonna, um, although there are some big trees back there, but, you know, if the church doesn't get wrecked, like we can turn the AC on here if we got power and, you know, hell, you get, y'all can come stay here. I think they set it up as a hurricane shelter. That's how, that's how we got Jimmy in here. And he's still coming. <laughs> He told me his first time, his first time stepping foot, stepping foot in church was coming here to get away from the hurricane. Um, but um, we can help one another tangibly. We, we, there, there are others when we're when we're in God's family. There are others who have been through the same thing we're going through. That's really important. God doesn't waste the struggles and the pain that we go through. Because if nothing else, on the other side, we can, we can walk through that with someone else as someone who's been through that. There are others to point us back to God when we take our eyes off of Him. We don't have to face anything alone. It's so important. Imagine, you know, there's an old country song. Oh man, I can't believe I'm going to reference that. But, uh, no, I used to listen to a lot of country music. Um, now I just listen to podcasts because I'm old. But there there's a country song that talked about you know going through difficult times and how there's all these kind of difficult times that 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 uh, drive people to either drugs or Jesus, and 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 it is kind of you know we see that sometimes where like there are some people who go through something very difficult like losing a spouse to COVID, and then like you don't see them for a long time. Don't get me wrong, like everybody grieves different, and I've been through that, and so I'm not trying to pass, you know, my opinion kind of judgment on people for that. Um, but just to go to go with something very difficult, you know, we, we, but we, but then we know a lady who went through that, and like the next week, she was there in church, and it's not about having your butt in church; it's about she knew. I need more than I've ever needed my spiritual community, my family around me because I'm going through a hard time. And so rather than unplug from everybody and go and and suffer alone, she understood that as part of God's family, I don't have to face this alone. That That is such a powerful thing. I hope we can all really get that. That is one of the key reasons why we 
as, as the church, we as, as believers in Christ, have something the world does not have. We have, we have spiritual community. We have, you know, A, our sins forgiven. That's like uh, top of the list. But just down from that is like we have a spiritual community. It's not just like, oh, we got the eternal destination thing worked out and uh, it's going to be rough, but you know, eventually this will be over. Um, I mean, yeah, life, this life can be hard, but, but God didn't stop there. God also gave us one another. That ministry of reconciliation, it's so important. I'll look at, an, at another verse that we looked at um, two weeks ago. John chapter 15, this is Jesus teaching. Uh, he's talking about how he is the true vine. Starting at verse 11, he says, he says, these things I have, this is Jesus talking, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Doesn't that sound a lot like the other verse we read about how He has appointed us His ambassadors? That's it. Jesus, Jesus is appointing us. And also, let's look at context because context really matters in Scripture. People love this verse. So whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. How cool is that? As long as you pray and invoke Jesus' name, God has to do whatever you say, right? Uh, no, that's not what he's talking about. Uh, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. What kind of things does the ambassador ask of the king? He asks for things that will help him do his job better. When we are on mission for God and and we're about what he wants us to be about and we have needs to accomplish that mission, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We talk about this a lot, you know, with missionaries that are raising support. It's like um, God has all the money and just put it in other people's pockets and like, you know, he'll get it to you. Like if God has, if God has called you to something, He will equip you to go and do it. All we, all we need to do is ask and, and have faith. Um, but the point is, we're on mission. We're not just going to God with our grocery list of, hey, here's all the stuff I want. Um, I'd really like to have a sailboat someday. I don't think that has anything to do with the mission. And so, even if I pray for it in Jesus' name, I don't, that's not what this verse means. Well, maybe I could start a yacht club ministry. No, alright, now I'm reaching. No, I'm kidding. That's uh, not how it works. Um, 
We journey together. This isn't a unique thing to neighborhood church like, you know, like Highlands Park Church. I missed this one the other day when I was talking about like churches that know who they are and what they're about. Like Highlands Park Church, like their sports ministry is top tier. Like they go all out, they commit serious, significant resources to it because like that's what they're about. Okay, this value is not one of those things. This value is not one of those like, well, you know, because because we're about this, this is a value for us. No, this one we feel like comes right from Scripture where we journey together. When you look at Acts chapter 2, right at the end, starting in verse 42, he says, talking about the early church. Um, Scott, I think you, actually you were just asking this before the service. You know, what, 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 How did the early church do these things? And here's actually the answer to that question. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Let me just tell you that 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 verse is where a lot of church model comes. A lot of the model of how we do church comes from. Um, there was there was preaching. Okay, so we have that. There was fellowship. We all got our butts in church because we knew it was important. Not just because we ought to go to church and because the church needs our money, and so we go and we you know grace them with our presence and and put something in offering place. It's not it's not about that. It's about we need one another and others need us. That's the other thing. People feel sometimes like, well, you know, like, I, I get it, but like, I'm good. Okay, maybe you are, but like, there's people that aren't good that could probably use community with you. Okay, so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread. We might even call that small groups. I'm just saying. Um, the breaking of bread and the prayers. We can't neglect praying for one another. And awe came upon every soul, and many, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Uh, remember, they didn't have the completed um, scriptures, the, the, all the New Testament and things, um, and so they needed um, the Holy Spirit was enabling supernaturally enabling like sign gifts that would be a way of saying, "Hey, this message that this person's about to share, it's from God." Um, we uh, we have this that's complete now. Um, so draw your own conclusions. <laughs> Um, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were meeting one another's um, tangible physical needs as well. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together. Wait, Sunday by Sunday? No, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is not a church growth model. This is just the, what we talked about. This is, that's ecclesiology. That's the, that's the Bible, the Scripture, speaking to how we ought to do church. I mean, there's all kinds of like theological terms we get into the regulative principle and all this kind of thing. You know, but basically... Does the Bible speak to how we ought to do church? Yes. Here are some things. How that works out in our context may, you know, like our last value that we're going to talk about in a few weeks is that, you know, we trust the Holy Spirit to help us creatively reach our community. But it's going to be like these kind of things. That's why it's so important um, to do these kind of things. 
So as we, as we look at, at Scripture, as we look at what it means to be in spiritual community with other believers, I, I hope that this, is, this helps to inform us that like the Bible talks about it in more than a few places. Like it's all over. I mean, I, I didn't even get into, I mean, you could get into the, uh, alright, I'm gonna read them real, ooh, read them real quick. Um, there's this word in Greek that I can't pronounce because I don't speak Greek, but it's translated one another. It's just one word in Greek. We don't have it in English, but like one another. And there's all these commands all over scripture from Jesus teaching through the apostles teachings. It's all over. Um, here's a few. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Be wait for one another before beginning the Eucharist, the you know, communion. Don't bite, devour and consume one another. Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. I'm seeing a theme here. It's almost like we should be in spiritual community because we need all of these things for our spiritual health. Love one another through love. Serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Now, that one, you know what? I feel like that's more achievable. Love one another is hard, but well, I can tolerate. <laughs> I can tolerate. Uh, we run the whole spectrum here. Greet one another with a kiss of love. All right, well, we'll skip that one. <laughs> be, be devoted to one another in love. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Hey, that's biblical. We do that. Uh, don't be haughty. Be of the same mind with one another. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Do not judge one another. Don't put a stumbling block in a brother's way. Greet one another with a kiss. Oh, we already skipped that one. Uh, husbands and wives don't deprive one another of physical intimacy. Bear one another's burden. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Case in point, a spiritual community is like real important for us. Does the Bible address it? Well, it comes up. A few times. Um, it, it's, it's so important in our lives. The early church understood it. Um, we, we should take a cue from that. What's the point? The application of this sermon? Um, I feel like I actually almost don't even need to make it. Um, it's get your butt in church. No, okay, it's not. It's, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's that we've got to be plugged in beyond the surface. Well, I go to church and I smile and I shake people's hand and I say hi. No, we got to let each other into our lives for our, our own spiritual health and the spiritual health of others. We've been given a mission. We are Christ's ambassadors in this world. Let's do that well. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the instruction in your word. God, you knew that we need a lot of instruction on how to get along because we're sinners and we're trying to get along with other sinners. Any of us that are married know that that's already hard. Or at least our spouses know that's hard. 
God, it's a, it can be a challenge. But God, there's so much benefit in you. You know that we need that. You knew from the very beginning before we even sinned, it was a need. You created us for community. God, I pray that we would not neglect that. Not neglect the, the gathering together of believers. Not neglect one another's needs. That we would pray for each other. God, we lift up uh, Miss Debbie with her with her injured knee and, and pain that she's in, and we pray that you would heal that. We lift up Laz and Stephanie that you would um, just uh, um, that, that Stephanie would recover well. We thank you that they can have some time off with their new baby. We thank you for that, and we we pray for them as they embark on parent in this on this journey called parenthood. God, I pray that you will help us creatively reach our communities for you. Help us to be ambassadors like you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.